SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Tuesday, September 22nd. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. This is the early line right here on Sports Grid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez. I got my main man, Kevin Walsh, burning the candle at both ends, trying to help make it a profitable day for you. And we're going to put the fun and functional sports content at the same time. And, Kev, we had the first action ever in the Death Star, as they like to call it down there in Vegas. I mean, John Gruden loves to call it that, and apparently he doesn't even know about Star Wars. But they christened it with a win as the Raiders get the job done 34-24 against these New Orleans Saints. And Kev, you know, I mean, yesterday when we were dissecting all the action we saw on Sunday from week two, we talked mm. about teams that were surprising at 2-0. and I think you have to put the Raiders in that vein. They joined the Chiefs in that division at 2-0. and And I got to tell you something, Kev, you know, when we talk about the best type ends in the NFL. Everyone talks about Kelsey and Kittle and Ertz. I believe Mark Andrews belongs, but if you have now seen the Oakland offense with your own two eyes, I think you got to put Waller in that conversation. He popped off. We could talk about it, but is Waller an elite tight end? He certainly is the key of that offense. Yeah, I think the biggest question for me on Darren Waller is what do they do with his receptions prop? Was four and a half Mm. Coming into the game last night, which surprised me a bit, but I was on with Jared Smith, and he that was the number that he had it at. And in week one, he had six receptions. So the book coming back to the low side of it, now off a 12-reception game, more importantly, a 16-target game. What does that mean for Darren Waller reception prop? Do we? I mean, it's got to go up. How high, though, does it go up? And does he start to kind of hit that P.J. Tucker mark? Dane, where right. you're just hitting it every week until the the book has finally gotten too far gone from where you like the value. No, I absolutely agree. I've been looking for those kind of bets that I'm just going to keep on doing as like Insta ones every single week. Kyler Murray rushing yards prop over is becoming one of them. And then I think this is another. You're right. Let me let me push it even further for you. Okay. Derek Carr has attempted 50 passes in two weeks now. Okay. 24 of those targets are to Darren Waller. Uh, literally about half. The second highest on the Raiders is Josh Jacobs at nine. <laughs> okay, so oh, wow. no wide receivers make the cut, you know, and we like what Ruggs can do for that offense stretching the field. I told you I think Hunter Renfro, who, by the way, is third in that list, right, in the kind of in the slot, the role he plays. But this is driven, Kev, by their running back, their young running back who, you know, is – proving himself to kind of be one of those bell cows, 27 carries, Kevin, for 88 yards. He's one of those guys who had over 20 carries last week as well, maybe a consistent three down back in Vegas. But really, talk to me. Do you think this Jacobs-Waller combo, I mean, the Raiders are 2-0. You think uh, this is something we need to give more respect to out in the desert? 
I mean, look, I thought it was an incredible performance from this team because it wasn't like they jumped on a Saints team that came out asleep. Saints jumped out to a 17-7 yeah. run, and the Raiders ripped sure off did. 24 unanswered. So very impressive from that team. And Josh Jacobs is another guy. We played in the props market last night over his rushing yardage, and that was a number that mm. climbed, and no matter where you got it, it cashed. Absolutely. Let's talk about this, though. From the Saints side for a second, Kev. You know, it's ironic. I, You know how much I talk to you about these home dogs, right? And this is another situation where a lot of people were on the Saints. Oh, they're the much better team. They're just going to go in there and get the job done. And to your point, they were getting the job done early in the game. It kind of flipped a little bit late first half and into the second. But I do want to ask you about the way the Saints offense looked and how we can mine for nuggets on this one. We all know Michael Thomas, you know, kind of, what many people believe is the number one wide receiver in the league, is not there for the Saints. And there was a question of what would it look like? People were thinking, would Manny Sanders or Traquan Smith or the kid Harris really pop off? I got to tell you something. Kev, this was the Alvin Kamara show and not a whole lot else, right? He's got mm -hmm. 79 yards on the ground. He gets into the end zone twice as we welcome in our radio audience from around the country. But Kev, nine catches as well, another 95 yards. I was intrigued to see how this was going to look. I thought it could have been Sanders or Cook. I heard you mentioned Jared Smith. I know he had a wager on Lat Murray doing yeah. even more that didn't wind up happening kev this was all alvin kamara yeah i mean with uh it was just one of those things where you know again being able to do the show with him he's like they're not even giving their top back the ball and i go ah here's the thing now here's the thing everyone got a little <laughs> they cut off guard his name is alvin they kamara. Are. <laughs> right they are. La Lat Murray, La every time he touches the ball Lat murray should be thanking his stars because kamara right. is clearly the guy in his backfield where Kamara mm -hmm. is more interesting to me is the receiving game. Yeah. Yesterday at the FanDuel Sportsbook, his receptions prop was four and a half, minus 160 to the over. FanDuel sometimes will leave, the, will leave that juice there. They'll make you pay the juice. But a lot of times they like to flip it, and they'll give you five and a half at plus money. Well, next week, this number is going to go to five and a half. But I don't even know if it'll be plus money. We asked ourselves, Jared Cook, Manny Sanders. The yeah. answer is Alvin Kamara. He will lead this team in targets and receptions while Michael Thomas is absent. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to look to see if how long will Michael Thomas be absent? Because remember, week two was a bloodbath in the NFL. And Kev, I think it was two years ago or last year. Remember when at the time Mark Ingram was missing the first like two or three games of the season and we were wondering what it was going to be? And Alvin Kamara went berserk in the first three or four weeks. I mean... The Saints are telling you that's what they're going to do. Get all the Alvin Kamara moving forward. We'll talk more about, like I said, the bloodbath in the NFL. We can come back here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back here on the early line, which is a special delivery for everybody here on SportsGrid. Hopefully you caught that reference if you know what you're talking about. And the spitting statistician, you do. Big shout out to our guys behind the scenes pushing the buttons, helping us look good and sound good. Kev, you know, here's the thing. 
with this with this Monday night football game, right? We talked a little bit about it. We talked about both sides. <clears throat> and one of the key questions that we we're talking about is what happens in this Saints offense now that Michael Thomas is not there, right? And 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 I think that question unfortunately, is facing a number of teams, Kev, you know, around the NFL heading into week three. And and I almost say that we say this every year. Like, don't we do this at some point every year? We're like, oh, the injuries are more this year than ever before. Or, oh, there's some crazier stuff than ever before. So with that disclaimer, with that caveat, I'm going to say – I think week two was one of the, the, you know, most impactful injury weeks we have seen in a long time. Now, am I going to attribute that to the unique context of the ramp up in this year? I don't know. Am I going to attribute that to some artificial turf? I don't know. We'll talk about all that. But let's zoom in on some of the teams that were really the greatest affected by what I'm calling the bloodbath of week two. And I want to start with the Denver Broncos. I want to start with the Denver Broncos, Kev, because this is interesting. They lose their starting quarterback. They lose their premier wide receiver in Cortland Sutton. They lose one of their, what, call it timeshare running backs in Phillip Lindsay, right? They have already lost Von Miller on the defensive side. Now, I don't know, Kev, if you thought the Denver Broncos were supposed to be on the under or over side of around seven, seven and a half. But some people thought that they were in that running for that seventh spot as a fringe contender. Right. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about the impact in totality, because sometimes with a fantasy manager, you're like, ah, who's the pivot? Who's my replacement? But let's zoom out for that. I'll give you a guy to try to find on the waiver wire. Mm -hmm. Don't worry. Right. But let's zoom out a bit. What does this mean for Denver on the whole? I look at this Denver team as one that, you know, two weeks out from the start of the year, I think people, you know, could have said, it's a team I like. It's a team that I think can make some noise. They have to protect home field. And if they're able to do that, they'll they'll be a dangerous team. And then they flipped from favorites to dogs in week one in their own building before kickoff because Von Miller was gone. And that was a tight, close game. A game they also didn't have Corlin Sutton for. And the result was a two-point loss. One they'd love to have back, but a tight game. Then they go to Pittsburgh. Now, this is not a game you're supposed to win. Touchdown, dogs. But you were competitive. You covered. But unfortunately now, as you said, Sutton gone and Drew Locke gone for a month. You've already without. Philip Lindsay. Yeah. I look at this Broncos team as one that I think for one more week will get respect because mm. Jeff Driscoll kept it close against the Pittsburgh Steelers defense in Pittsburgh. Yeah, and now a defense I think, can plan for him, right? Oh, yeah. I think it's going to be misguided. I'll right. tell you this right now. Okay, Here on a Tuesday, the yeah. odds that when we get to Friday, my favorite bet of the week being the Tampa Bay Buccaneers should be monster minus minus money. I think the Bucks will roll Denver next week. I think the offensive side of the ball, and this is where I'm going to be interested to hear from you in terms of where you think value might lie still yeah. with that side of the ball. I think that they will struggle to get to 14 next week. I am not buying Jeff Driscoll keeping these games competitive. 
Yeah, I don't disagree with you. Remember, even Jerry Judy left the game last week. I mean, he may not be as badly injured as the rest, but he got banged up as well. I've got two things to say about this Denver Broncos team. One, if you remember, after the draft, Kev, we talked about Denver as one of the teams that loaded up on weapons, right? Um, even after the Jerry Judy that we know in Cortland Sutton, we were like, hey, K.J. Handler out of Penn State. That's real. Deshaun Hamilton there as well. And by the way, Kev, do you know like who the number one tight end in fantasy is right now? It's no fans, <laughs> right? So, I mean, like, I, I think they still may have enough. They got Melvin Gordon as well as a running back. Nothing to scoff at, right? So, I believe that their offense may be able to stay afloat. The thing I'm going to mention, though, remember when there were odds for, like, Jameis Winston's next team and Cam Newton's next team? And remember mm. how I said I think Denver would be an interesting spot because I don't know if I would shove all in with the second-year kid. Now, injuries are injuries. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, you see Jameis Winston on the sidelines in New Orleans last night. Wouldn't Denver love to have a Jameis Winston right now? So I think that is interesting, but I don't think their weapons are so compromised that they can't get it done. But I agree with you. I will be on the Tampa Bay Bucks this one. But in a fantasy standpoint, I think a lot of stuff is going to get consolidated around Noah Fant, if you want to know the truth. Yeah, and I think Fant has already looked excellent. Yeah. Judy, you would expect to also climb up in targets. Uh, he had seven in that last game. K.J. Hamler yeah. had seven, so keep tabs on that. K.J. Hamler someone to keep an in, eye on. Yeah, In the props market. I think and also, by the way, A.J. AJ Boye uh, as well is injured for this team, who is their yeah. top corner. So the list continues to go on. What you just mentioned, though, about now – Again, I think the the Drew Lock thing is not performance based; it's injury based. So the Jameis, the Cams, right, like that. But they can sit there and say, "How do we improve this quarterback situation?" The question is, well, I don't know if it's the question. They're not going to. They're gonna roll Jeff Driscoll out there. Yes, they. And I think the the question then does become because at some point Drew Lock's gonna come back. What is what is this Broncos team now looking to achieve this year, Dane? I mean, you know, if we, if we were to look changes. for an, I don't think it an changes, updated because... win total, though. Like, this team is missing their starting quarterback, their yes. star defensive end, their, st- their top corner, their top yes. wide receiver, like, their second back. This is ugly. This is I don't I don't disagree with that. But when you talk about what is the team's objective, unfortunately, their primary objective is to find out if Drew Locke is their guy. Right. And this is not a season ending injury. Okay, I'm hearing something like four weeks. Right. So uh, if he does come back, that remains their primary objective. This year, which is why they didn't have add any smaller big sample size. No, right? right? They're not going to. They're not going to, in my opinion, right? And they're mm-hmm. just going to make this decision on lock, you know, on something like on ten games instead of on fifteen or sixteen. I think that is the issue, unfortunately, for the Denver Broncos. Let's go to another team because there's a few teams I think we need to shine this spotlight on. And the next mm-hmm. one I want to talk about is the New York Football Giants, and they don't have a litany of injuries like we talked about with Denver, but boy, do they got a big one in Saquon Barkley. Now, he's done for the year. The way I want to frame this, Kevin, I think we have a poll question up as well. Because again, you know, you have to talk about the fortunes of these teams. Did anyone think the Giants were going to be the NFC East Division champions? I don't think so. But the big decision 
for this franchise, just like how we talked about Denver was about Drew Locke and is he their guy? The big decision for the Giants was about, are we going to extend Saquon Barkley? We see this in the running back you know, market all the time, right? Joe Mixon, I'm going to hold out, get the extension. Alvin Kamara, I'm going to hold out, got the extension. We know about this in years past with Melvin Gordon, Le'Veon Bell, Ezekiel Elliott as well. Every time, Kevin, we've had this conversation, when the name Saquon comes up, people are like, oh, yeah, obvious. He's worth it. You got to resign him. Is that still the case, Kev? I want to ask you, like, is that still the case? Because how are you going to allocate that to a running back when he's now, you know, borderline injury prone? We could talk about the 2020 Giants and how they make it up. And I'll tell you why I would not pivot in a waiver market to some of these guys. But I think that is the bigger question. The long-term future of Saquon in New York. I think Saquon Barkley got his contract extension on draft night. Really? When you take a guy at two and he's going to perform, Saquon Barkley's been a top three back since he entered the league. Like, right. everything you wanted from him, he's done. I know the injuries are there. What do you think, Dave Gettleman's not going to double down? The only way he doesn't get that contract extension is if the management group is no more. Okay. We will think, and, and, and remember, I guess that's still possible, right, in the offseason. Very interesting. I can see it from both sides. We'll talk about a couple of more teams, and then I'll give you, you know, as we look to week three, some of the waiver-wire diamonds and fugazis that you could pivot to. We'll do that when we come back right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hello, I'm Dr. David Chow, a.k.a. Pro Football Doc. I spent 17 years on an NFL sideline with the Chargers as a head team physician, and I can tell you teams don't want to tell you the whole story. That's where I come in. I know what they're trying to tell you and trying not to tell you. I know how to assess injuries and how it will impact players and teams that week. Come check out ProFootballDoc.com. You can't make a bet or set a fantasy lineup without coming to consult with us at ProFootballDoc.com. Hey, welcome back in, everybody, to the early line right here on Sports Grid, trying to give you the edge. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh, we welcome back our radio stations from around the country as well, especially the mightier 1090 out on the West Coast. Thanks for waking up very early with us here on the early line. And, Kev, you know, you don't replace a Saquon Barkley. Right. And I think we have to understand that. But when we talk about it from their offenses side and also from a fantasy side, I want to tell people I would not rush to the pivot of like Dion Lewis uh, for the New York Giants for a number of reasons. One, Kev. That offensive line is still a problem. We've seen it now for two weeks. So, and, and if Saquon Barkley can't make hay, do you really think Wayne Gallman or Deion Lewis or even Devontae Freeman, who they are talking mm-hmm. about bringing in for a workout? I don't know that that really moves the needle. I will say this also for the entire Giants offense. Sterling Shepard also went down in that game. He's having an MRI on his toe, right? So kind of like Denver, like what does that leave left for this offense, I don't think you should rush to find a new Giants running back on the waiver wire, but who mm. are the who's Danny Dimes rushing to locate in the offensive scheme? Yeah, I think there's a couple things here from this team. Now, it's very complicated to talk about 
what Saquon's absence is going to do to their spread because one of the teams they're playing is another team that we're going to have to talk about in this same vacuum. As far as who I look towards in this team that's already there, I just want to make the point on Evan Ingram because we talked about this last week. Terrible game. Only had two catches. But he had seven targets in that game. And we saw this week, eight targets. Still then, he moves that into six receptions and 65 yards. So I think, could Evan Ingram see a little bit more of an uptick? Because looking at this Giants team, right, now that they don't have a back that they find necessary to give the ball to, plus their defense not being good, Daniel Jones has an outside shot at leading the league in passing attempts, which, by the way, then he also is going to lead the league in turnovers. The question, though, I have for you, whether it is Devonta Freeman, who's had it, a wild offseason of missing out on Seattle, Tampa Bay, Kansas City, Philly. Not with Drew Rosenhaus anymore, though. So maybe he's a little bit more open and willing to look himself in the mirror for whatever offers come. I mean, we we will see. I think, though, what we've come to understand about the running back position is that a starting running back is always valuable. And if I look at Deion Lewis, last week, right, he came away with, 20 rushing yards, a rushing touchdown, four catches, 36 yards. So he gave you a near 15-point performance if you're playing in a PPR format. And that's why I ask you, if you're, you know, right now going to the waiver wire, Mm -hmm. I feel like you have to add one of these guys unless the idea is we don't know who it is. I think that is actually possible, right? Deion Lewis profiles as that PPR kind of back. And maybe if, and remember, we're here on Tuesday morning. They haven't signed anyone, right? We think that Devontae Freeman is coming in. We don't know if he's going to leave with a deal or not. If that were to happen, I think Devontae Freeman would get your early down work and Deion Lewis would kind of still be that piece in the passing game. And he may get a bigger slice of the pie. You know how we talk about that. But I agree with you. The guy to look for is Daniel Jones, right? Because that is going to be kind of, this is going to then be a volume passing offense, right? Even if there is Dion Lewis, that's passing as well. I don't know if they're going to get to the Matt Ryan levels of volume passing, but I do think it would uh, boost up the opportunity for a guy like Danny Dimes, right? And we talk about it. It's performance plus opportunity in the NFL. But I got to tell you something, if you're on Danny Dimes, I think another place where that same exact narrative you were just talking about with Daniel Jones is even better when you're talking about leading the league in attempts. For me, Kev, it's Teddy Bridgewater in Carolina, okay? Because it's the the same exact thing you're talking about, right? You now have this monstrous running back in Christian McCaffrey at least for the next three, four, five, six weeks, right? Taken out, right? They are not going to all of a sudden turn and hand the ball to Mike Davis 20 times. It ain't going to happen, right? Add to that the game flow we've talked about. See what the Carolina Panthers, who I've made the point are a very young defense, who gave up 30-plus to the Raiders, gave up a bunch to Tampa as well, right? So they're going to be in negative game script. They're not going to have Christian McCaffrey. They've got a new head coach and passing coordinator and three wide receivers on the outside in Moore and Samuel and the new free agent, Robbie Anderson. I think Teddy Bridgewater, Kev, even more than Danny Dimes, could be this kind of volume-based beneficiary of the injuries. It was playing that way anyway, 
Kev, right. remember, like, Bridgewater threw for 360 on, on 40-some-odd attempts in Week 2. And I think the game script will be the same because that defense is still young and bad. And I think all the stuff you said about Danny Dimes, I'll take that with Teddy Bridgewater to an even bigger degree. Yeah, that, and that's the, the point there is this team was going to be playing from behind, it felt like, yes. in a lot of their games. Yes, McCaffrey, Teddy Bridgewater meaning. attempts prop. I'm going to be interested in. It was 38 and a half last week. I gave it out as an over. He got to like 43, I believe, um, mm-hmm. with a game script and no CMC in the backfield. I- I'm going to be looking at that Bridgewater attempts moving forward. I think the interesting thing with McCaffrey. Now we know this. He's one of the best running backs in football. For a lot of people, the best running back in football. Two touchdowns in the first two games as well. So he's on four total on the year. The production, right, was there. The receiving work felt like it might have peeled back a bit. But I look at Mike Davis, Dane. Okay, one carry for one yard. Who cares? Eight catches for 74 yards on eight targets? Uh, What am I meant to believe here? I'll tell you, he entered the game, though, remember, when they're already down by two scores in the fourth quarter. Okay? Right. Um, so I don't know that he's that piece of the game once we're starting 0-0. You know what I mean? They were already in such a negative game script when he entered. It could have been you or me, bro. We were gonna get but is he going to get the, the carries then? I don't know. For what? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. so. I think the, the response will be they will. Yes, I think Mike Davis will get more carries than anyone else on the roster, right? Right. But I think the Panthers will become more heavily pass happy. Their balance of run pass is going to be mm-hmm. very different than it was when the guy was Christian McCaffrey. They are going to lean more on the passing game, I believe. That's why I'm going with Teddy Bridgewater attempts. I think their rush pass percentage is going to dramatically change because they're not going to trust Mike Davis with the same allocation of carries that they would for CMC. Which, I, which again, I don't think is something people would argue, but I now have a, 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 a sample size here. Of, apparently that's fine for Mike Davis, as he had eight catches. That's why he jumps off the page to me. is Because even if it stays in a negative game script, evidently, yep. that's fine. In fact, it's great. I mean, from a pure PPR perspective, this guy as a receiver like gave you a day for eight grabs mm-hmm. and 74 yards. So that's yep. why, and if he's just going to lead the team in carries for however long they're going to actually run the football, I feel like that's more enticing than any player we talked about from a Giants perspective. Mm. Um, that's fair. That's fair, right? And But here's my thing. There is a difference about the guy coming in in the middle of a game and then the whole next week, right, where the team – where Carolina is coming up with a game plan knowing that they don't have Christian McCaffrey. When the opposing defense is coming up with a game plan without Christian McCaffrey, I just think we may see something very different as opposed to him just coming in in the middle of the fourth quarter with an existing strategy, game plan, and game script already there at play. You're right. He will be kind of the back there. At least we don't hear about Carolina bringing people in in the same way we have heard names with the New York football giants. And remember, Saquon's out for the year, where CMC, we believe, is only like maybe four weeks, right? So it's not as long-term of a thing. But in these four weeks, um, 
yeah, you know, he will be used. I just don't think it's going to be as much as McCaffrey in the run game and then in the passing game. Will he really be the guy when he's still, in my opinion, fifth in the pecking order with the three wide receivers that they have and Ian Thomas as well? Um, Here's another factor I do want to make the point of, right? Saquon's out for the year. So if you do pivot to any of these Giants backs, right, Mm -hmm. the role that you expect them to have is sustainable. Right. Deion Lewis, Devontae Freeman, whatever it is. If you pivot, though, however, Kevin, to uh, Mike Davis, you have to do so acknowledging that it's a more short term fix. Right. So with the if you lost CMC. Right. And for example, Kev, if you have Leonard Fournette on your bench. Right. The prudent decision may be to not go to the waiver wire to, quote unquote, replace CMC anyway. The prudent decision may be to hold on to that waiver budget, hold on to that waiver priority, insert into your starting lineup someone who you've already had on your bench, right? Like Leonard Fournette, I care more about than Mike Davis or Deion Lewis, right? Uh, Malcolm Brown or Daryl Henderson, you know, maybe better, right? And so you don't have to get the replacement per se. You may have someone on your bench who is actually a better value add in the context, and especially in the CMC case, right, where it may be a four-week thing, you may have a bigger issue that requires your number one waiver priority or requires a bigger chunk of your waiver budget than this one. And I think that's actually, I think that's an awesome point because what you have the ability to do is look at that four-week window and tell yeah. yourselves the, the likelihood that you would start Mike Davis any of those weeks. Right. If the answer is that's yes, right. in even three of them, yeah, you better, go, you better go put Mike Davis on the roster. But if you're deep at running back, then it's a good point, Dane. Thank you. I, thank you. I appreciate the praise. That's why they call me the spitting statistician. When we come back, though, Kev, we got to talk about the team that was probably impacted the most by their injuries. And quite frankly, they're expected to do the most this season. We'll talk about the Niners when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back, everybody, right here onto the early line, giving you the edge on sports grid, Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. Kev, we are looking at the bloodbath that was week two and some teams that are really severely impacted, right? Not only from a fantasy standpoint, but from their futures and their and, and what they want to do moving forward. We talk about the Giants who lost Saquon. We talk about the Panthers who lost CMC, the number one in two picks in most fantasy leagues. We talk about the Denver Broncos who lost everybody, right, from their number one cornerback to their pass rusher to their quarterback to their number one receiver to their running back. It's a problem for the Denver Broncos. We talked about how they may adjust. Jeff Driscoll may be a waiver claim this week. But let's talk about the team that probably – had the highest expectations and also suffered probably the biggest group of injuries. And I'm talking about the San Francisco 49ers. People want to talk about McCaffrey or Barkley, but because of what this defense is, Nick Boza tearing his ACL may be the biggest piece. And then you know how the Niners like to run the ball, right? Well, Raheem Mostart is down with the knee injury. And then, Kim, I don't know if you saw this. Yesterday, Shanahan comes out and says he's really worried about the MRI results for 
Tevin Coleman as well. That's another running back that could potentially be down. We know about Debo Samuel, and then, oh, fine, so they'll be in the passing game. Well, not with a quarterback in Jimmy G who has another one of these now dreaded and common high ankle sprains that it seems like can put you out for a couple of games. So they lose their trigger man in the quarterback. They lose multiple running backs. They lose their stud defensive player of the year candidate in Nick Boza. Oh, yeah. They lost another defensive lineman who was a first-round pick in Solomon Thomas, the pick they traded for to get above Mitchell Trubisky, by the way, but that's a different topic for a different day. They've already lost Richard Sherman onto IR. They traded away DeForest Buckner in the offseason. This is a walking mash unit. They had enough to still beat the Jets last week, Kev. And, but that's not saying much, right? So what do you think is the level of concern for these 49ers up against their relative expectations for this season? But, but there's not a level you can put it high enough at. The rest of the division. Oh, I forgot about know. George Kittle also. Excuse oh, me. Oh, and Richard Sherman, by the way. There yeah, you go. The thing was, you were inevitably <laughs> going to miss players. It's that bad. And... I mean, again, right, so Bosa and Solomon Thomas is for the year, right? The Mostert-Tevin Coleman situation is for at least next week. Tevin Coleman is going to be multiple weeks. Garoppolo is going to be next week. They hope he's back the week least, after yeah. that. I don't think George Kittle ever flew to be available for the Jets game, so I don't know if he's going to fly for this Giants game, and Sherman and Debo are out because they were placed on the IR. So we are talking about two starting defensive linemen, right? And you said one of them a DPOI candidate. Last year, one of the three best cornerbacks in the league was Richard Sherman. He's not there. One of the two best tight ends in football, their leading wide receiver, their top two choices at running back, and their starting quarterback. Now, I just did exactly what you just did. Right, I just listed off the players. But it's because you can't do that enough. You cannot put this into perspective any other way than by listing off. These aren't, oh, yeah, they're starting left guard. Oh, they're missing their wide receiver. No, 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 no. This is star player and key contributor one after another. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how this Niners team just in the prism of next week, can be on the road laying points to any possible opponent. I don't know how that is possible. Yeah, I mean, we're still going to get word, right? I think they're trying to hold out hope on Jimmy Garoppolo, but I think not only is it the star power of these players, Kev, they are integral to the way the 49ers like to play. What is the dominant piece of the 49ers, right? That defensive line stopping the run. Robert Salah is the only position group coach that gets as much airtime, you know, in the NFL. Why? Because of that defensive line. Yeah, the D-line has no Boza and Thomas. We talk about the way they run the ball all the time with their scheme. Yeah, they don't have one, two of their running backs and the quarterback as well. I think it is interesting. I think the only thing on their uh, kind of on their side is that they still 
still even depleted with Nick Mullins and all that stuff were enough to beat the Jets. But you say you don't know if Kittle is going to fly and you don't know what it is going to mean against an opponent. I got to add a very unique wrinkle to all of this, Kev. I don't know if you heard. I'm sure you did. But after the game, you know, Kyle Shanahan, some of the 49ers players, right, were a little upset with the turf at MetLife Stadium. And this is not the first time we've heard about this, okay? The Pittsburgh Steelers in week one, remember, had two offensive linemen go down in week one in that Monday night football game. They were chirping about it as well. Now, this is a new turf that was put in in the offseason. And remember, there was no preseason games played on this. There was no, you know, practices on this. So it could be a concern, but here's the catch. The 49ers now have this experience of seeing like all of their studs go down on this turf and they think there's an issue with the turf. And you just said, you know, how are they going to be favored against an opponent this week? Well, Kev, this week they are favored against an opponent and they are favored against an opponent that they are going on the road against. They are staying mostly they're staying in West Virginia, not in the New York City metropolitan area. Why? Because they're playing the New York Giants this week. Met life on that same turf that these players are complaining about and attribute some of why they had all these injuries, the Nick Boza one specifically. Does that get into the mind collectively of the Niners? How doesn't it? How, like, I mean, if I break this down to a, a, a level where I think anybody could relate, if you've ever played pickup basketball, right? On a surface, yeah. though, that has a little bit of a creak, right? And you you hit the ankle once and you go, woo, woo, woo. Well, now you're real cautious about it. I mean, yep. imagine being the Niners having just watched two of your of your star players tear their ACLs. Like, if you're yeah. Kyle Shanahan, I'm sure a part of you is like, you know what? Here's the we forfeit. We forfeit. We're going back home. <laughs> Serious. Where are I mean, these I, neutral sites? Can we get to a bubble? <laughs> Yeah, like, hey, play us in West Virginia. Like, we'll spot you seven, and we'll play yeah, from there. Right. Like, it, it's just, I don't know how this team is mentally going to be able to be fully focused. I don't know how they're going to be looked at with the scope of the players available to be anywhere near their former selves. I mean, you and I had a conversation before the show started, about them laying four and a half to the New York Giants yeah. next week, right? And it was kind of a situation where I'm like, eh, it's maybe a bad number. I don't know if I'd want to play it. I mean, we're at a point, Dane, in this conversation where I don't know how the Giants aren't this side. I don't know how they're not one of the maybe better plays actually on the board. The Niners are sending out a, a B team A shell next of themselves. Week You're absolutely in a, in a, right. In a game they don't want to be in. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with all of that. It is going to be very weird to see how the 49ers respond. You're absolutely right. Don't forget, though, you know, and talking about the Giants, we just talked about them last segment losing their all-pro running back, their number one wide receiver, having an MRI on the toes. So it's not like, you know, they aren't compromised as well. It might be a C team versus a B team. You know what I mean, Kev? And remember when we talked about this as it related to COVID, right? We were like, how are we going to handicap this if you got three linemen and two secondary members on one side, but you got a running back and two wideouts on the other side? Remember we were talking about 
that. And I think we're in that scenario, unfortunately, not because of COVID, but because of other kinds of injuries. Let's spin it forward a little bit, though, Kev, because uh, I'm going to tell you one thing I'll tell you is Jet McKinnon becomes very interesting to me if he's like the last man left standing, you know, in that offense. And he's a guy I mentioned as a waiver wire diamond last week in my segment on diamonds and fugazis so let's talk about some of them here's some of the diamonds and fugazis for this week you see those guys and you see kind of the percentage of rosters that they're on i talked to you about teddy bridgewater you were on that about the game flow and the attempts and then honestly daryl henderson because cam Akers is another guy that went down right and he's a piece that's not on enough rosters and then you know kev not related to the injury, but we were laughing about this. Miles Gaskin continues to lead the Dolphins in carries, lead the Dolphins in yards, lead the Dolphins in snaps. And people were thinking about Jordan Howard or Matt Breida. One is a, you know, whatever that saying is, one is a whatever, two is a trend. It's now two mm-hmm. weeks in a row. Miles Gaskin is real, and that is not going to change because of injuries and things of that nature. So I like him. And then Keelan Cole, the wide receiver on the Jaguars, Listen, you're on this Minshew Mania train. You think it's, like, real? You think the Jaguars are going to be in games? Keelan Cole, Kev, leads the team in targets, in receptions, in touchdowns, only four yards less than DJ Chark. Do-do-do-do-do-do, DJ Chark. But he is only owned in less than a quarter of rosters. I think Keelan Cole could be another guy. One of the guys that's on, in my mind, that's not on that screen is Michael Pittman of the Indianapolis Colts if Paris Campbell misses a bunch of time as well. What do you think about some of those diamonds, Kev? Daryl Henderson is the one that stands out to me. He had 12 carries in a game that Cam Akers and Malcolm Brown both left. Now, he was real good in that work, got a score, but I don't know what the guaranteed workload is for Daryl Henderson. The status of Malcolm Brown is they expect him to play after fracturing his pinky and Mm -hmm. undergoing surgery yesterday. And the... Cam Akers situation with uh, with a banged up rib is questionable. So Henderson, to me, is still walking into an at-best 50-50 situation with Malcolm Brown, and I think goes right back to the third-choice running back in this team when Cam Akers comes around. I think Daryl Henderson can produce while the mm. others are banged up, but I mm. don't think that he is going to be a sustainable piece of a fantasy team you know that's interesting right um and i don't completely disagree with you the 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 data points i would put on the other side though kev are i believe this rams offensive line is more physical is better than what we have seen in years past right so maybe you're right it's a uh, a piece but of a running game that i think is improved and going down from the committee to the timeshare is uh you know it's better Shall we say um, there's also, though, you know, that's why I would like Henderson above, say, a Mike Davis above, say, a Dion Lewis, um, who I think are still somewhat fugazi. You mentioned the point on Davis. We'll see in the short term based on game flow how he does. I just believe that this Rams running game looks to be better and looks to be a bigger piece. If we could put it up again, I want to ask you about another fugazi that I have on the list. I like Keelan Cole. I even mentioned Michael Pittman. I have Russell Gage still, Kev. 
on the list at Fugazi's. He had another decent game, got into the end zone. I just still consider him the fourth option in that Atlanta passing game. Now, it may be that they are one of these huge volume passing teams and there's enough for everybody to eat. Do you think there's going to be enough on a week-to-week basis for Gage to eat? I don't know what to make of this team because Calvin Ridley right now is the number one receiver. Yeah. What am I supposed to do with that? He's got back to back with 100 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, but Julio Jones had two for 24 last week, right? And I'm not going to trust that every week Matt Ryan is going to be enough to have like four pass catchers be fantasy relevant. I just don't think that's the case. You know what I mean? We'll talk more about this all week and when we come back on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back here, everybody. Right here onto the early line on SportsGrid. Dane and Kevin. And Kev, to be honest, as we recap here, you know, the what I keep calling the bloodbath of week two and how people are trying to make meaning of it and spin it forward, at least from a fantasy standpoint, you know, these are the guys we told you, but you know, what you responded with was like, Oh, that's a good point. I want to reemphasize Kev, right? You don't have to look to replace. You have to look at your team and your team's needs. If you own McCaffrey, go get Mike Davis. Okay, fine. But if you have other guys on your bench who you could plug in there and that's the better value add, sometimes a prudent decision is to Keep your money. Keep your priority because then Mm -hmm. what happens in week four, you know, football is still a violent game when your RB1 does go down or when you do need that hot guy for your team composition more than trying to just get the guy you think is going to be next man up that you're ultimately going to stash on your bench anyway, right? Like if Mike Davis, you earn and win the waiver claim on, you better be starting him, okay, for the next three weeks because if you're not, I think it's, you know, um, not the best allocation of your resources as a fantasy manager. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And as we look back on week three, I want to make a point, though, in, in the betting market. Um, yeah. If you remember all last week, Dan, I talked a lot about Derrick Henry and mm. how he was going to have this monster game, buck 52 scores, right? Right. Ultimately, though, the props market were prepared for that as he had an over-under of 114.5 rushing yards, which was outrageous. Yeah. It was a minus 250 anytime touchdown scorer. Now, I did bet on him to lead the league in rushing on Sunday only. That was at 7-1, to one, where there was a 30-yard gap in his prop compared to the next guy. So a 7-1, to one, I'll live with that. The point, though, that I want to make is, is you get set for week three, right, and you stare at these games on their surface. When you see something that you believe, that's good. But be prepared for the market to also believe it and know you don't want to buy a bad number because Derrick Henry at a minus 250 to score is a terrible number. And an over-under of a buck 14 and a half and anybody's rushing yards prop is a terrible number. And we were able to stay away from both of those numbers and those both were losing bets. Yeah, I hear you. You know, Kev, like if you think you found something and you think you found something before the book did, eh, 
That's probably not usually the right answer. We turn our attention to the NBA playoffs, which would get back going after a brief hiatus when we come back to start hour number two of the early line. Come on back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 